Welcome to Bro Trek, the only pro Bernie Sanders Star Trek podcast from two brothers. Hi. So, uh, so Nick, uh, what did you think about the, this most recent episode of Picard? And also, what did you think about the New Hampshire primary? Oh, Bernie crushed it. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty excited about it, though. When I went to bed, he was up by like 20,000 votes. And then yeah. old booty jegs and caught up. So, I mean... Well, slightly depressing on that end, but but he's well he's gonna get swept up on these next couple. Yeah, he uh, he still he still beat the rat like uh, Laris and Javon <laughs> beat those Zatvash operatives uh, in this episode. Absolutely, absolutely. Did you yeah. hear Chopo Trap Trap House's segment on him being a rat for the CIA? <laughs> uh, yes, I did, and I'm 100 percent convinced. Uh, I I mean I don't need to know anything else. No, at bare minimum, he worked for naval intelligence, which is basically the same thing as the CIA, right? Um, yeah, like you're working military intelligence. That's that's suspect. <laughs> uh, so, what did you think of the episode overall? Oh, I thought it was really good. Um, uh, after I watched it the next day, for some reason, I thought I didn't like it very much. Like maybe it was mm-hmm. one of my least favorite of the three so far. Okay. But then I rewatched it again, and I love it. It was great. Um, not as much of it was really, you know, as memorable as some of the other scenes. But they were, yeah. you know, important scenes that that uh, really explained how correct we were in all the theories we proposed. <laughs> yeah, you know, we're actually doing all right. Uh-huh. Um, I I liked it quite a bit too. Um, I, to your point, though, I think it is still like if you have to rank the three, it's not number one. You know, but it's that's. One of there's only three. One of them has to be the third best. They're all all of them have been really enjoyable so far. Uh, Biden yeah. couldn't even be third best. What a loser! I know, I know. Total total loser. He's gonna just keep eating shit. <laughs> um, so the episode opens up with uh, basically repeating the footage of the attack on mars they are really getting their money's worth on that they just like especially that one shot with the big triangle shaped ships blasting the surface of mars they have used that exact shot in every episode so far we watch the 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 fourth episode i'm curious if it's going to come back again and this isn't like last week on picard this was just like they did a last week on picard they start the episode and it's more of that exact same exact same uh footage like they're really really uh really using it up i mean you know it's uh, clearly was expensive footage but <laughs> kind of i've seen it enough at this point <laughs> yeah yeah for sure um, um what was the first scene the first scene is- so the first real scene after that little flashback is is uh that showed old footage was a, a kind of new flashback of um picard and rafi 14 years ago on the uh, Starfleet at Starfleet headquarters. So one thing I thought was a little interesting is, so I was listening, either reading or listening to another podcast, and they mentioned that these first three episodes were originally written and maybe even originally shot as just two episodes, but they decided to, to, to cut it up a little bit differently um, and make them three. And one of the things that happened was they added in more flashbacks. So apparently, the stuff on Mars uh, with the um, the sent the actual like you know the the interacting with the one sent named F eight and him kind of cutting loose and killing everybody yeah. um, that was all shot like kind of after the fact when they decided to make it three episodes rather than two. And I'm gonna guess that this scene with Picard and Rafi is something like that too because 
again, not a bad scene, but it still just seemed off to me. Their acting was like, like, like their emotions. It, at first, I want to say they were kind of like too not like emotionless, but it was almost more that their emotions were just wrong. Like Picard went from being kind of like just flat, like this is what's going on, to like kind of really bad news about you know they're not going to save the Romulans and but without real like the emotional aspect of it just seemed a little bit off to me kind of hard to put my finger on but it just didn't read right um what yeah did you, the, did you the conversation style was sort of strange like they were telling the story in, in a strange way as opposed to him coming out there and just telling her that everything's fucked uh yeah you know he kind of just allows her to be in the room and he be the other uh be the Starfleet command. Yeah. Um, but anyway, and it was an interesting way to, to get the, the whole story across, I guess. But yeah, he walks out just a, the defeated man, and uh, then he you know, shows a little bit there when he's talking about them just being scared, making excuses for, for Starfleet. Uh, but he did deny that it had anything to do with the Taushiar. Uh, yeah. And I wonder what I- was going on then that would lead Rafi to believe that. Well, I think we see a little bit later on that she had some, maybe not proof, but evidence, you know, that something was up. Um, I think we now know it's pretty clear that something is mm-hmm. up. It, it is a little weird to me that Picard didn't want to believe it, but maybe that was just him being yeah, it sounded like that was an old too optimistic. They've had it before. Or, yeah. yeah, that's actually really good. That, that makes a lot of sense if you think of it that way. Um, but I think, you know, I, I think the, the other piece here is like making it so obvious through that conversation that the Romulans were involved or that, that, that Rafi thinks the Romulans were involved. To me, that actually means it's probably not something as simple as just the evil Tal Shiar or rather the Jat Vash within the Tal Shiar, you know, set this up, but rather there's something more complicated, right? Obviously, the Romulans and the Zadvash in some way are involved. That's clear. But I think, like, if they're saying it so literally right now, I think it, there's got to be something. It's a red herring. Right? Yeah. Yep. It's it's or at the very least, it is a uh, an incomplete story that mm-hmm. we'll find out what's going on later. Because you know, we we'll get into it more in the episode. But there's clearly some other stuff going on related to the Borg and related to religion and mythology and stuff like that. That Really curious where that's going to go. Um, one other thing about this opening sequence that I think was another indicator to me that this is was definitely shot at a different time, might have been like reshoots, or otherwise was just different than the rest of the season, was those costumes looked like shit. Um, the design of the costumes was fine, right? Those are good Starfleet, you know, a version of the Starfleet costume. But every time you had close-ups on them, I, I kept seeing these like, really big like obvious folds of thick fabric like where the zippers would be up on the back and it was like sticking up out of their neck so instead of it being like a smooth shape of the collar it would like a big chunk of it was sticking up and again costumes are hard i'm not you know i don't want to crap on the costume designer too bad but like when you when when someone like me who is a not the expert on this stuff is noticing what looks like manufacturing defects in the costumes um, that that's a bit of a uh, that means there's something wrong, uh, especially because the costumes you're not have been the so good so far. Edward, who is who is the expert? Maybe you know, they're just formal dress. You know, he's, no, he's... He, he, I, I see that they were a different style, but it was really it just literally looked like they were trying to make them in a hurry and couldn't quite get the fabric to fold the way they wanted to. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So after that. After that flashback sequence where, you know, Picard 
threatened to um, threatened to resign if he didn't get his way. They called his bluff, and then Rafi got fired because, I mean, it's not really clear from that scene why she got fired. I'm gonna guess she had pissed uh, like everybody in the whole and all of Starfleet off, and Picard was protecting her. And then when Picard is out, um, there's no one left to protect her, and so she's out the door, fired. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, then we cut back to the, well, to the quote-unquote present to 14 years later when Picard is roll, rolls up to Rafi's uh, space trailer uh, to ask for help. Uh, <laughs> man, I thought you that think was of the like design? A, a luxury bungalow, man. That thing was awesome. I would love to live out there amongst the big rocks like that. Yeah. Smoking my, my what was it, uh, death leaf or whatever she called it. Um, uh, she called it um, snake leaf. Snake, snake leaf. leaf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Vaping. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I love that she grabbed a grabbed a little flower off the snake leaf, shoved it into vape, and just started vaping away. That's how you know Rafi's cool. Yeah, um, and how drug technology makes things much more convenient in the future. I know. I can't wait to get to the future so I can uh, space vape my space weeds. <laughs> it's gonna be awesome. Um. So yeah, that uh, yeah that the, the her describing her like her like science fiction trailer as a hovel, like man, <laughs> that looked way cooler than like the um, you know whatever like nice apartment in, in Boston that uh, uh, not that uh, uh, Dodge was in in the first place in the first episode. You know she had a really nice apartment, but this trailer mm-hmm. out at uh, Vasquez Rocks, which is what the, what the the tagline said. Uh, Really cool. I would like to live there, or at least yeah. vacation there. Yeah, well, as uh, I she mean, made I guess clear, it, it's no chateau yeah. like Picard lived no. in. No, so. I mean, what what could be? He did live in a beautiful chateau. The funny thing, that um, Vasquez Rocks, where they're at, that is a real place outside of L.A. Um, that is a uh, frequent like shooting location for a lot of movies, but especially in TV shows, especially Star Trek. The sequence where... Um, uh, the the where Kirk fought a Gorn back in the original series oh, was yeah. shot at Vasquez Rocks. Hell yeah! All right, cool. cool. Yeah, I think a lot of a lot of other desert type scenes have been shot there too. Um, so yeah, so she sets him up, uh, recommends that pilot. I did like that. You know, he kind of he was able to talk her back into getting in the game. You know, uh-huh. uh, even though she she was still pissed at him, she still you well, know she's still claiming to didn't be take much. out of yeah. the game. She's she's yeah. just hitching a ride. Yeah, well, she was still like vaping and looking at the internet, uh, which you know neither neither you nor I could ever relate to. But um, yeah. she's still vaping and looking at the internet, trying to help him out. Um, but uh, yeah, and she recommends that pilot. Um, we can talk more about him later. So uh, we then get to this sequence, uh, kind of again. This is kind of chopped up throughout the whole, the whole episode rather than contiguous. But where we get Hugh and uh, Soji, and uh, you know they have a bit of a conversation to try to figure out. Is she going to get to talk to this one ex-Borg that she really wanted to talk to? Um, one thing I really liked about that was uh, when Hugh was walking up, he had still had a bit of a weird Borg walk to him. You know, if you mm-hmm. notice, the, the Borg always walked a little bit weird, and right. he was still doing that, which I think was a good, you know, a good through line. Well, yeah. so what do you mean, though? I, I'm not sure. Well, I... he's got this kind of, like... Sh- so the Borg would walk really slow, but they had this kind of like weird stiff-legged movement, right? Mm-hmm. And then now he's been kind of de-Borg, but he's still, you know, still, still whatever was was original is still original. Um, and so he's, 
got this weird now he's walking more briskly like a normal person but he's still got a bit of a weird shuffle to it like gotcha yeah i thought that was interesting um and they talked a little bit of, they talked a little bit about this shared mythical framework um and stuff like that and that's where i'm i'm really curious where they're going to going to talk about that like i have some theories there around like did the tal shiar do that did they create a shared mythical framework for the romulans did um, do the Borg have like gods, so to speak, and are they the Tal Shiar or vice versa? Um, what was what was your takeaway from that shared mythical framework stuff, or at least what were you thinking before I, we got to go see the Romulans later? You know, I really didn't get it. Like, I'm not sure. Yeah. You know what was going on there? Um, why would is she just talking about a shared mythical framework allows all beings to communicate in through? whatever the issues are that she's trying to communicate through or is it um you know a shared mythical framework only of the romulans uh and if that's the case how can she know that if she's not a romulan uh, i, so I think really understand what was the theory behind it was but I'm sure yeah on it. i think what she was saying was that if so the borg they get deborged they have been connected to each other through the Borg collective, right? And they have this collective consciousness. Now that's gone, they have an individual consciousness. And so they're going to feel very isolated. If they create some sort of mythical framework, to use their word, or like a religion, or at least a um, set of stories that the Borg can use to understand what it means to be a former Borg, that might help them deal uh, with this new life uh, after being separated from the Borg Collective and separated from the Borg technology and being more of a, you know, just a uh, uh, organic being rather than an organic uh, machine hybrid. Well, At so least what's that's the how I took her it. and Hugh. Well, that's a good point. So, so Hugh is a former Borg, right? He was a he was a you know a Borg. He was deborged. Uh, he was a bit of an edge case because um, the. This, the the Enterprise separated him from the Collective intentionally, right? They found him on a crashed ship that caused him to develop individuality. He then goes back to the Borg. That individuality spreads, and so a big chunk of the Borg are then fully cut off from the Collective and forced to kind of be individuals on their own, although they're still physically Borg. Um, and they end up being, uh, and this was in uh, one of the later episodes of the season, one of the two-parters at the near the end. They get they join up with Lore, Data's evil brother. Lore kind of eh, shoehorns himself into being a god for these people, uh, or at least a leader. Um, and then that that was really the last time we saw Hugh. Is that Hugh had kind of taken on a leadership role with these Borg that are still Borg, uh, but they're disconnected from the Collective. And then of course we see him now, and he's been like deborged, right? He's an ex-Borg. He has okay, no well, Borg like technology on his body. Well, my my question stands though. What's mm-hmm. the difference between him and the Romulans that were deborged? Well, that's a good question. Um, I think the first one is he's not crazy. Um, why is a very good question. Is he not? So the one the we haven't really seen a lot of other former Borg in this show. We saw. You know, we kind of saw like some pans across the screen of like other just assorted former Borg who were like welding and stuff like that. So we don't really know anything about them. Are they? Oh, okay. I did not remember. Yeah, that. yeah. I thought the oh, only yeah, other they, former Borg we had seen were the Romulans in the cell with yeah the, um, the one lady Romulan with, Borg with Soji. 
Yeah. Um, so, yeah, no, but th- that's the ones we've seen the most. But there have been a couple others. But, again, we haven't really, like, talked to them other than Hugh. And Hugh is an outlier because he kind of developed his vin- individuality separately as opposed to, like, well, your whole— away from it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, so it's a little bit different. Um, they did say something to the effect of these are the only Romulans, so maybe there is something to do with Romulans who have been assimilated. It affects them differently than other species or something. Maybe we'll get more answers on that. It's really unclear to me. Clearly, they're setting up some sort of Borg-Romulan connection um, that'll have some sort of weird effects, but I don't know what well, it is. What was as the of yet. term she used when she walked into the room and noticed that all of them were Borg? She said all of the something Ec- are Romulans, and then he said th- these are the only ones that have been assimilated. So I think she said XBs, i.e., meaning X Borg. Uh huh. I think that that is a term that they're using, like just the letter X, the letter B, XB. Um, so let's jump ahead into that sequence. So where are we, we she she gets into, um, you know, she talks talks to Hugh. Hugh says, "I'm going to take you to see these Romulan X Borg." She, she gets there. They're basically like, and I didn't not I really did not like the sequence because they're basically doing all these Romulans that are former Borg are doing this like one flew over the cuckoo's nest insane asylum thing right. where they're like banging their head against the wall and pacing. And it's kind of, you know, total, total like cliche insane asylum stuff. Um, but then, you know, she's talking to that, the, the one who seems, I guess the most lucid, who's like putting together the triangle um, tarot cards kind yeah. of thing, whatever it's supposed to be. Um, and then sees the future, kind of like calls Soji the destroyer, and then tries to kill her. And then Soji goes into like, you know, superpower data mode and like whips the shit out of everyone. <laughs> but that, like, clear, clearly there's, and she's talking. So so yeah, I found this whole thing a little bit confusing. Like I'm not sure what where where they're going. I mean, I guess we'll find out more. That's probably the point. Is they're just setting up these mysteries. But it seemed less mysterious to me and more just like, huh? Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, like the design of the little triangle tarot cards was cool, but yeah. And it's like a I'm mandala, trying. I believe. Yeah. Is what she said. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. I don't know. Um. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess we'll find out more, but it was it was just, I don't know, I, I felt like that sequence was one that just didn't quite work for me. Yeah, um, I didn't follow it, so. Yep. Um, I, you know, after that fight, she calls her mom and is, like, freaking out about her sister, and, of course, it's her fa- it's a fake mom, mm-hmm. who says, no, your sister's fine, she got a dog, she definitely did not die and get murdered by the tall Shiar, yeah. and then she, like, passes basically out. passes out, yeah, so clearly they're... You know, the the whatever the mother is is not a real person who really thinks that she's really their mom and is some sort of entity that is controlling them, right? And directing them to do whatever is necessary or whatever they're supposed to be doing. So jumping back to Earth, uh, we see Doctor Gerardi eating her lunch and listening with her AirPods in. Uh, and Commander O comes up and, and you know asks everything she knows about Picard. Really, not a lot to say about this sequence other than Command Commodore O was wearing some sick sunglasses. I was wondering if she was supposed to be uh, undercover or incognito <laughs> <laughs> because I mean she looks like any other Starfleet officer, but those things were not uh, too too uh, unrevealing. It's, it's obviously Commander O or Commodore O yeah. with sunglasses <laughs> on. But anyway. 
Yeah, it's the first time I've seen sunglasses. Uh, and here's the other thing: is like, why would a why would a Vulcan? I mean, well, actually, maybe that's it. So Vulcans, they live on a desert planet, right? They're used to looking in really bright light. They're used to like, you know, uh, bright sun. Um, oh, so and this she's is actually a Romulan. She's actually a Romulan, so maybe that's why she needs sunglasses. Because Romulus is at least a different kind of planet. I think it's—I don't think it's supposed to be as deserty as Vulcan. Uh, and, and this is where we're getting into like secondary canon that I only know because I read so many Star Trek novels as a kid. You loser. But at least in so- yeah, I know I'm, I'm <laughs> not cool at all. Um, at least in some canon or some of the like canon around Vulcans they have a secondary eyelid that actually helps keep their eyes safe when there's bright light and when there's like sandstorms and stuff like that so so they have like an exterior eyelid that looks like our eyelid and then they have like kind of an inner eyelid that is see-through um so that it protects their eye but they can still see through it I think there are, are some actual species on earth that have that like maybe camels or something like that but um, anyway so yeah I, I think I hadn't really thought about that as anything other than cool sunglasses why why is this Starfleet officer wearing Ray-Bans um, but to your point if that is evidence additional evidence that she is a Romulan and not a Vulcan trader so mm-hmm. um, that's an interesting take um, or or here's another one okay Give it to me. So, one thing uh, I know that you don't because I've seen Star Trek Discovery or seen all of Star Trek Discovery. Um, this is, I hope this isn't too much of a spoiler for it, but one of the things they set up in that show is that, the, you know, they kind of go back to the mirror universe from the original Star Trek series. Um, and in that, one bit that they kind of add to the canon is that the humans from the mirror universe are not genetically identical to the humans of our universe or of the main Star Trek universe. Um, they have one genetic aspect that's different, which is that they are more sensitive to light. So bright lights hurt their eyes in a way that, you know, I mean, obviously a really bright light will hurt, you know, our eyes too, but like they're much more sensitive to it. So really bright lights really humans. affect their eyes. Humans, humans. Now, Obviously, Commander O is not supposed to be human, but maybe she is not actually a Romulan and not actually a Vulcan, but is a human from the Mirror Universe who is pretending to be, you know, pretending to be a Romulan, pretending to be a Vulcan, or at least pretending to be a Vulcan. Um, You've blown my mind. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, so. so let me cut you off there because I'm not going to understand anything else you say without this answer. <laughs> What's the mirror universe? Is there only one alternate universe and throughout all of Star Trek? And that is the universe whenever there's some, you know, alternate universe uh, uh, episode that is used. And, you know, it's kind of going in and out throughout the series and the, um, dif- or the different series and through the books and whatnot. Yeah. I would put it this way. I think there might have been other... Well, there's at least one other alternate timeline, which is the Kelvin universe, but... Um, for the for the you know the 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 Hollywood movies that have come out since 2009, but um, that's not the same as an alternate universe. To in some ambiguous way, it's a timeline, not a universe. They have, to the best of my knowledge, they have not introduced other universes beyond the Mirror Universe. But that doesn't mean that they don't exist okay, in the canon of the so show. It, the mirror it's universe the only is a, the other universe in the. It is a, at the very least. It is the the other the universe like 
closest in proximity to the universe that you that that the rest of Star Trek exists in. Does that make sense? Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. I mean, given so that it's mirror you know, universe with a capital M U. Yes, capital gotcha. M, capital gotcha. M, capital U, mirror universe, as opposed to the prime universe um, oh, that Star Trek noted. happens in. Yeah. So, okay. So, um, after after that little sequence with the uh, uh, Commodore Cool sunglasses, um, <laughs> we get some stuff where Kurt or with uh, with Picard going up to. Uh, Meet our new pilot guy, uh, Rios. What was his first name? Um, Cristobal. Cristobal Rios. I'm excited. I like this dude. Uh, that sequence I thought was pretty cool. I like the um, I like the guy's like aesthetic. Um, I think a really good, cool, like good actor. He's got an uh, got a good like I don't know like uh, rogues rogue style. Uh-huh. Um, I love that he's got the two his like two assistants are emergency medical hologram and emergency navigation hologram, who are both played by him, yes, um, yes. but have different personalities. I think the the uh, navigation hologram had an Irish accent. The medical hologram I think just had like an American accent. Yeah, um, and he has like a Spanish accent. Um, definitely has like a cool like Han Solo vibe. Um, I thought he that wants was pretty to. cool. You could tell yeah, he's trying real hard. <laughs> Drinking, uh, drinking the mezcal, smoking a big stogie. Um, I, I'm a hundred. Wanted to keep the scar after the big chunk of titanium got pulled out of his arm. Throws a shot on the wound for what purpose? You know, uh, <laughs> to be cool as hell. Yeah, and then, I guess. And then the, then the book he's reading. I looked it up. It is a, a Spanish existential philosopher. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. I so, checked it out too. <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm on board with this guy's vibe, uh, I, you know, and I love the way like Picard reads the reads this guy. And he's like, you know, I look around here. This ship is still up to Starfleet spec. You might have left Starfleet, but you never really left Starfleet. You're still Starfleet, Starfleet in your heart. To the core. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was cool. I thought that was a really um, fun way to fun kind of character to set up. You know, like this is also a guy for whom. Clearly, Starfleet. It's not so much that he was he wasn't he, whether he was kicked out of Starfleet or not is unclear. But it's not so much that he was a fuck up, but that Starfleet like didn't do right by him, and right. just like they didn't do right by Picard, yeah. and like they didn't do right by Raffi. Um, you know, these are all people that that this failure of Starfleet as an organization, they're clearly left on the outskirts. A little bit later, when they t- when he talks about being on the, the 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 heavy freighter that he was on and seeing his captain die, I'm really wondering if that has something to do with uh, the Romulan uh, rescue uh, missions. If he, if that was a freighter that was rescuing Romulans, and something bad happened. Okay how how long ago was that the Romulan uh, uh, in in the uh, yeah uh, so it's a little fuzzy to me. I know that. Picard was left Starfleet 14 years prior than the show, but I don't think that was in the immediate period before the Romulan star went supernova. Like it sounds like basically, and again, I I know a little bit of this just from like stuff outside of the show, but that they discover the stars going supernova. And then there's a period of time in which they are like, okay, now we have to plan this rescue. Right. And I don't know exactly how long that is, if it's like 10 years or whatever, but there's a period of time. And then through most of that, Picard is like leading that rescue. Then the Mars attack on Mars happens. Picard leaves. The rescue stops. Or at least 
most of the rescue stops, right? There might have still been some things going on that's a little un, you know unclear, but the big part of it's over because the ships all got blown up, and okay. then everyone's like, "Fuck it, we're out." Um, yeah. well, the only so, reason yeah, I asked was because I was wondering know if he was old enough to have been, you know, in Starfleet, you know, at that time. So, but I mean, he looks like it. He, yes, then. Yeah, I think so. Like, he looks like he's maybe forty or something yeah, like that. Yeah. Um, you know, thirty-five, forty, which would mean twenty-five, thirty, which is you know. He's more the like time in which forty-five, fifty. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. But forty-five, you know, fifteen years ago, he would have been thirty, which is a totally normal age to be like whatever the first officer on a freighter or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah, I I uh, I'm really excited to see where they're going with this character, um, and I yeah, I think he's got a cool looking ship. Uh, I like the that they're bringing back the uh, emergency medical navigation holograms. Um, <laughs> So, so then we get a little scene where Narek's sister uh, yells at him. She's back. She's got Romulan ears. Um, tells him not to get emotionally attached. To so- yeah, totally. And this is where there's some creepy, like, like brother sister some creepy action, vibes. Yeah. Brother sister vibes. I don't like it. It's no good. No bueno. Not yeah. Um, so, but not much going on there other than she's yelling at him to not get emotionally attached to Soji. Um, that you know, I guess the implication is you don't love this thing. You're supposed to kill it at some point. But then yeah. we get uh, we go back to Earth and we get a really cool sequence where Picard, Lars, and Jabon are just having a conversation, and then shit fucking pops off, and Lars and Jabon go immediately into <laughs> into like secret agent mode, and it is totally sick. What did you think about that fight sequence? Well, I want to talk about the previous sequence. Whenever it's oh sure. Uh, um, What's his name? Narek and his sister. Well, you know, yeah. seeing the bed scene where she points at the bed, you know, it makes me wonder, you know, what kind of extra sexual prowess does a Romulan dude have? Which leads me to wonder about, you know, probably a, a less humbling uh, answer, but more interesting. What about the Romulan women? Because um, mm. there's definitely been some some inner interbreeding between the species. Yeah. Um, yeah, and you know his sister. What was her name? Uh, Lieutenant Rizzo. Lieutenant uh, Rizzo. That sounds right. That she sounds makes right. me want to go to a Star Trek convention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You go check that out. Yeah, well, some of the you know because bandwagon jumping hot chicks walking around dressed like Romulans. <laughs> I'm only here so I could dress like this, which is fine with me. Yeah, um, totally works. Yeah, yeah. I uh, one thing we do know is uh, that that humans and Romulans can mate because mm-hmm. you know there are, there have been characters that are that are that are uh, um, half one species, half the other. Um, I do not, you know, we don't know, we don't know much about their genitals. It's not like Cleons <laughs> where we know it is canon. Cleons have two dicks. No, I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, at one point in Next Generation, they mentioned that uh, maybe it was even original series that they have duplicate organs, right? So that you know, they got two hearts. So that if one heart gets stabbed, they can keep going and stuff like that. So really? you extend that, Cleons should have two dicks. And then huh. in one episode of Discovery, in a very like corny, does scene, that mean they have like, two butts too? Um, they might have two anuses or two, uh, yeah, but yeah. you know, you know, they, um, uh, but you know, there's one sequence in Discovery where they're like a drunk Cleon is like peeing in a uh, uh, peeing on the street, and you see dual streams coming out, and it's like. <laughs> Well, that was certainly a decision you could put into a television show. All right, now I know that and can never unknow that. Cool. A lot of satisfied nerds out there. 
Yeah, Finally. someone's <laughs> someone someone has definitely used that to increase the accuracy of their Cleon cosplay. <laughs> uh, that's funny. All right. Okay, so, back to that uh, one scene that we Yeah, Laris Laris Jaban combat. Yeah. They spring to action. Um and there's guns everywhere. They're just pulling guns out of underneath the <laughs> coffee table, underneath the desk. They were ready yeah. for it. That definitely seemed like some Laris and Jaban stuff. That's not like I don't think Picard hides guns everywhere in his in his quarters. But uh, clearly, Laris and Jaban are—they uh, still got that paranoia that comes with being in the uh, uh, Cleon um, secret. Po- or, excuse me, the the Romulan secret police, because uh, <laughs> they had tucked those little blasters everywhere, which was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, it, as, as awesome as it was. They are still not active agents anymore. You know, they're retired and they're just whipping the crap out of like these literal active agents who have to be like the uh, cream of the the crop if they're what's being sent. And they just they just whip the crap out of them. Like Uh it is just an easy easy defeat. Uh, (laughs) And then and then you and then Doctor Gerardi shows up at the very end and uh, does one murder. Maybe Uh, it it was on stun. Favorite line. Maybe it was on stun. Maybe it was, uh, but no, it was not. Romulan blasters don't have a stun setting. (laughs) Yeah. Um, The fact that she kind of went, the timing and the fact that she was able to take one out, like where was she when the the rest of this battle was happening? Yeah, they didn't have any very good intel. Yeah, it gives me a little bit of a hint of some skepticism that that we can't really trust uh, Dr. Girardi. Either that Commander O just got to her, um, and convince her that she needed to do X, Y, and Z for her, mm-hmm. or uh, this is not actually Doctor the real Doctor Girardi. It's some sort of like you know lookalike that has been stuck with the group. But or you know, or maybe it's just this really is her, and she's got a killer instinct we don't know about. I mean, it is it is mentioned earlier. I think in the first episode that she is a Starfleet officer, so she had to have some, or excuse me, was a Starfleet officer before she quit to become an academic at the Daystrom Institute. So at the very least, she has has to have some military training. Yeah, yeah. I hope she's not actually a bad guy because she's such a lovable, cute, bouncy character. I know, I know. Well, I think if she's actually a bad guy, it's probably going to be more that, like, she this isn't the real her or she's being forced to be a bad guy or something like that. Yeah. But, um the uh, so so after that we after they beat up the Romulans there's they you know I guess all of them die except for one and that guy has to uh, gets interrogated also calls Soji the destroyer um, and then uh, uh, bites so, I guess his acid tooth and just melts in front of everyone which was pretty cool yeah that ruined his jacket Zebon's jacket though um, so I guess since he knew about the destroyer you know there's some sort of Romulan prophecy then um or or at least that's just the internal the, you know the term that the Zatvash are just calling her you know whether it's a prophecy or not but I guess you're right though if you're calling someone the destroyer that's just not that's not just like a, a code name you give someone you know that's a that's a very much a prophecy kind of term well yeah and the scene wherever um Soji is talking to the Romulan uh, Borg chick uh you know, she calls her the the destroyer, and it was very prophetic the way it happened. You know, yeah. Which one are you? Which sister? 
you know, and it, apparently, or it seems that she's been on the Borg ship for a long time, um, you know, since the uh, the evacuation, I guess. Well, I guess it doesn't say that. I, where was the Borg no. ship from? Um, um, they haven't explicitly said as much. They 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 say at one point that this. I think it may be the episode two episodes ago, or maybe it was this episode, but. Um, th- something about this just like this ship just kind of uh, being disconnected from the Borg. There's big chunks of it blown out, so maybe right. it was just a Borg ship that showed up in Romulan space, just trying to do some assimilation, just as Borg, sh- you know, cubes tend to do. And they just got into a battle with some Romulan ships, and just this time the Romulan ships beat it. Right? They just, you know, for whatever reason, were able to destroy this cube, blast uh, a big chunk of it out, and then when the cube was defeated but not destroyed the collective disconnects from it just as a security mechanism or something like that. But you're right. They haven't really been very clear. Like, did this happen before, you know, the Romulan star blew up or did this happen, you know, whatever, like 20 years ago. Um, and it's just been sitting there that's slowly being worked on. It's, it's still pretty ambiguous. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So after Dr. Girardi does a murder, joins the team, uh, gives a really cool speech about how she's gonna, you know, be, wor- be definitely be wor- worth, uh, you know, worth it to the team. We uh, get everyone on board uh, Rios's ship, La Serena. Rafi's already there, uh, and that's what you know. We 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 finally we finally get the big line at the end there. So can you see what what does La Serena mean? Do you know? I, I'm gonna guess the siren in Spanish. Siren. Okay, All right. yeah, I yeah. got the law. I understood that one. Uh, it's but, Spanish uh, for the. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I don't have any idea what I was about to say. Oh, we skipped over the, the part where uh, Soji goes, you know, super android. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. De-arms yeah, yeah, the, right. the bad Romulan guy, gets protected by Hugh, and then um, I guess it hasn't. that's the last scene is whenever she gets confronted by yeah. Eric. But anyway, on the ship, um, yeah, what you know, they're going to the what is it like a gambling uh, space station or something? Yeah, free cloud, which definitely is going to be space Vegas. Um, yeah, which okay, mm-hmm. is that something that's been mentioned? Because Picard's nope. like, oh, of course, that's where he's at. Um, yeah, as far as I know, this is a new idea for the show. This is not like. The pleasure planet of uh, what was it, Rigel Five or something like that. This is a new concept for the show. Hmm. Um, Space Vegas mm, seems a little more Star Wars than Star Trek to me, to be honest. But you know, I guess a space Space Vegas seems fine. Okay, all right. I've had kind of yeah. in my head the world that Thor and Loki went to uh, when they found the Hulk in. Oh Thor, uh, yeah. Ragnarok. Ragnarok, yeah, yeah. You know what? That might. <laughs> it's funny. Uh, that that actually sounds 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 right to me. I was kind of thinking more like the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy's uh, Nowhere, the uh, okay, planet yeah. that's actually a giant uh, celestial head uh, that people live inside. Um, <laughs> either way, I think the vibe we're about to get is going to be different than the usual uh, usual Star Trek. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, I one thing I really like about this sequence is you know the we, we've got our we've got our main we've kind of got our main you know crew now right these four people Picard, Gerardi, Raffi, uh, Rios, and they're all ex Starfleet. You know, uh, Gerardi didn't get kicked out the way the other three did. You know, and it's she just left when she got recruited. But at the same time, they're all ex Starfleet, and I think that's in particular is an interesting take. You know. We're getting a Starfleet crew that's not a Starfleet crew. Yeah. Yeah. It's a ragtag bunch. Yep. Yep. So then at the very end, last last line of the show, Picard gets to uh gets to say the big say the big line, Nick. What does Picard say? Engage. That's right. Yeah, All right. So that's pretty excited. I know, I know. Uh and that's it. So we're we got a new episode. Uh we can watch it after after we finish recording. It's absolutely um, my excited. plan. I've had a that hard time it. not watching it. Um, <laughs> Me too. But I felt like I had to not not watch it since it was my fault that we didn't record last night. Yeah. So no, it's fine. Anyway. And, you know, we just we don't want to spoil it by like trying to have have a spo- quote unquote spoiler in our head that we're trying not to say. You know. Oh, for um, real. Yeah. There'd be almost yeah. impossible to not yeah. bring something up um, or have that influence our opinion on this episode. Anyway. You are correct, which I, I think one of the fun things about this is like reacting to it, saying what we're going to think is going to happen, and then mm-hmm. testing those testing those those uh, theories. Yeah, I so, apologize to all our listeners out there that you know, <laughs> this is old news for. Um, yeah. That was my fault, not Edwards. I I, I take full responsibility. We I, I could have pushed you to do it earlier in the week. That's true. So you son of a bitch. Because we it's it's true. So because we had a little extra time, though, I did get to start on a new Star Trek Picard novel uh, oh. called The Last Best Hope. It is okay. a prequel novel. I think it came out. It's really, really new. I think it came out like last week. Like uh, not it came out after like like after the first episode uh, um, at the very least or maybe even after the second episode. But it's, it's brand new. Um, and it's kind of funny. If you go look it up on Amazon, the descriptions are all very neutral, like because all those descriptions go up before the show came on, you know, right. and they doesn't really seem it's just like an exciting new novel from Picard star of the new show, Picard, <laughs> a great character that, you know, and love. Um, so it's, uh, so I read the first two chapters of it last night. Um, it is written, um, written by Una McCormick, who's written a couple other Star Trek novels. Um, a lot of, so there's, a, I, I don't know you, how much you know about this, but they have what's called the Star Trek novel verse. So there's tons of all these like spinoff stories about like new crews as well as the enterprise and deep space nine and Voyager crews. And then a lot of stuff that's just like continuations of stories after, um, you know, the last episode of that, that stuff. So there's been a whole like universe built up around like what happened with the Borg after and all that stuff, which it sounds, from what I can tell, it sounds like a couple of the ideas from it have been integrated into Picard, but largely that's just been set aside um, in terms of continuity. They're not like they're not really using it for the show in, in, in any real specific way. Yeah. But anyway, so she wrote some of those. She also, which I and I haven't read any of them, but she did write one book that I did read, which was a Star Trek Discovery novel, uh, and that Star Trek Discovery novel was called um, The Way to the Stars. Um, and so, so Star Trek Discovery has, there's probably been like four or five novels so far. I've read there, I think three of the five there, um, uh, the two most recent ones I haven't had a chance to read yet, but, uh, the way to the stars was one about cadet, the character cadet Tilly. And, uh, it was, um, it was not all that great. Um, I, 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 I read it 
made it through it, but I didn't particularly like it. <laughs> it was kind of less of a science fiction and more of a young adult boarding school novel because it's literally about this character, Cadet Tilly, who's, you know, a, a young person on the Star Trek, on, Star, on the Starship Discovery. She's a cadet. But this is like when she's in high school and it has some interesting stuff where she likes, at one point she basically gets tired of being at this like space boarding school and uh, jump ends up jumping on a freighter and like stowing away on a freighter. And there's some cool stuff with that, you know, but Honestly, it wasn't very good. But then again, it's a young adult boarding school novel, which is not something I like. So I was a little skeptical about reading this, you know, new Picard novel. I'm like, eh, is it going to be good? But so far, it's actually really fun. Um, uh, Una McCormick, like, really gets Picard as a character. Uh, we haven't seen a lot of Raffi, but Raffi uh, in, in the show. But what we have seen, she definitely gets Raffi's character, too. So basically, so far, it... it, it um, I've only again. I've only read the first few chapters. It starts like right at the uh, discovery that um, you know the Vulcans, uh, excuse me, the Romulan star is going to go supernova. Like oh, it okay. o- basically, op- it basically opens up with P- Picard like just got off the Enterprise and is you know was called to Starfleet headquarters for a big for like a big thing, and they're like this is happening. And he's like, oh crap, what do I do? Uh, and you know he has to leave the Enterprise to take command of this project. And that's kind of what it is. I'm going to guess it'll probably just like start with that and end um, when, uh, you know, with the, uh, the, the sense attacking Mars or something like that. Just because obviously everything after that is what we're seeing now. Um, but so far it's good. Um, interesting. A couple interesting little bits just from the first two chapters. Not really spoilers. But um, in the book at least, Rafi has a husband and a kid. Um, she clearly does not uh, when we see her in the show. So yeah. I don't know if the if uh, the husband and kid die or the husband she and kid you know the husband leaves her. She seemed pretty yeah that mean. too. Um, you know she was a uh, she she was smoking too much snake weed and they just they left and never talked to her again. Um, it's what one, happens when one, you smoke dope. I know. You, no. Uh, so cr- kids don't do don't do drugs. Yeah, you'll end up like Crispin Wall. Yeah. Oh no, you don't want to be end up like Chris Benoit. Um no. so one other little bit. Um so after Data dies at the end of Nemesis, uh in in that movie, Riker also leaves the ship and goes to become the captain of the Titan. Um so in the book, when it opens, Worf is uh Picard's first officer. And Worf ends up mm. taking uh taking um uh getting promoted to captain and uh taking over the Enterprise, which is kind of cool. Really? Um yeah, I don't know how much we're going to see of Worf in it so far, but uh, that was that was pretty cool. I like the idea of Worf uh, as a captain of the Enterprise. Uh, the one other thing that clearly is a character I'm going to see a lot in this book is LaForge because he um, leaves the Enterprise to help out Picard uh, by taking over ship construction on Mars, um, on the Mars uh, Planitia Utopia um, uh, uh, shipyards. So... Um, clearly he survives because they mentioned LaForge in uh, an earlier episode of the show, but uh, hopefully we'll get to see some LaForge maybe next season, maybe later this season. Um, I mean, you know, the idea that he was running the shipyard and was therefore kind of responsible for the development of these synths is an interesting thing. It's an interesting idea. And I'm curious to see if the show engages with that at any point, but yeah, that that's it so far. Really enjoying it. I recommend it. You know, the she's got a really good, really good like sense of these characters, and it really gets it like the I don't know the the gravity and the importance of Picard and the seriousness of him. 
Um, it, you know, the kind of almost the like, for lack of a better word, majesty of him as a character. Um, and and I'm really I'm really enjoying that so far. Cool, cool. I have yet yeah. to finish the the book that I was reading. Here there be dragons. Um, I just haven't been doing a very good job this week of reading much, but I got quite a bit. I'm you know I don't know three fourths of the way through. And cool. It's pretty funny. It's the planet is. Uh, at least everybody on the ship believes it's very medieval-like, like knights and shining armor type stuff. Um, cool. And Worf doesn't get to go down on the first away team, and he gets really jealous and he's sulking <laughs> in 1040 or 10 forward. And uh, Guinan comes up to him and tells him, you know, after, uh, tells him all his problems and, and what he needs to do. And anyway, he has uh, one of the um, engineers who's sort of an introvert, uh, you know, like soft, soft hearted guy who tries too hard to do him up a, uh, holodeck, um, program so that he can experience what they're experiencing down there. And he puts them in, uh, King Arthur or, uh, Arthur's, uh, you know, his hall with the Knights of the round table and, you know, like, King Arthur's Captain Picard. Like, there's the the model in the the simulation is Captain Picard, but he's King Arthur. And then he has a, he ends up challenging some the Black Knight to a duel, and he jousts him <laughs> and beats him at the joust. And then you know it's to the death, but he spares his life at the very end. And he's like, Ah, I love this. I'm going down there. <laughs> but anyway, that sounds awesome. Yeah, it's pretty funny. I- I'm gonna have to read that one. Uh, but when you're done with it, you should read um, the last best hope, and then we can talk about it. we can talk about it some more. Like both read the whole book talk, after when Picard ends, because we've only got you know seven more episodes. Once it ends, we can talk about uh, the novel uh, really in depth as a, as an extra episode. I think that'd be fun. Cool, cool. Um, one last thing before uh, before we go, if you since you're talking about King Arthur. There's a new trailer that came out today for a movie called The Green Knight that is based on the, the legend of uh, Sir Gawain and the Green Knight. Oh, Looks okay. like a really cool trailer. I recommend checking that out. I'll check it out here in just a second, right before All I right. watch episode four. Yep, let's get on it. Episode four. Yeah, right. get out there and vote.